Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are talking about the most common mistakes people make in their journey to 10 million online with an e-commerce site. We get into the things that we hear over and over again, and hopefully we can stop you from making some of the mistakes that we see other people make. So let's get started. Hi Ian, how are you? Hey, good morning. I'm okay. How are you doing? Good. I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, today we're going to talk about um, the common mistakes we see people making over and over um, when they're starting up their e-commerce sites all the way up to 10 million really. And it's just kind of like a list of things that we keep coming across and, and hopefully people listening to this could kind of like think about, you know, what position they're in and whether they're making them and put them on the right um in the right format, um, in the right way, Great. Them, you know, making, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think we'll start with, um, you know, when you're small. So let's start with the startup mistakes that, that we find. Um, and I'll, I'll start with one of them. And, and the, the one I see, um, that people make is that first of all, they might get to like 10 grand a month or something like that. You know, so that'd be ten, maybe ten thousand dollars, or about you know eight thousand pounds, or something like that, um, a month. And then they will um, suddenly kind of think, oh, I'm I'm in e-commerce. I'm doing. Um, I've got to do everything that I read online. I've got to do all these channels. I've got to have everything going. And they quickly, um, well, they basically start focusing on tons of things. Dilute dilute what's important and don't really make any progress and i think the first mistake people make is, is 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 realizing that not realizing that one channel can get you um can get you very far like you know we've got and we've got a couple of businesses doing doing over five million who would pretty much have one channel and now obviously that's that's a little bit nerve-wracking in terms of mm. you know relying on one channel but at the same time um it's you know these 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 channels are Facebook these channels are Google, um, they're, they're big they're they're yeah. stable they're they're going to be there for a long time these are some of the biggest businesses in in the world, um, okay they might they might move around, it's very different than SEO SEO can just kind of disappear overnight because you're not in the pay to play game and you know like I would not like to have a business that was completely reliant on SEO and that was my that was my main channel, yeah. but you know, like starting to kind of go after all the channels at the beginning, like just because you've got some traction yeah. is often a distraction. Do you know? I think where some of this comes from um, is, I mean, we had, we had a we had a chat this week with a, with a client, um, an e-commerce business. I think they're doing about four million, want to get to fifteen million, and they ha- they got a proposal from an agency that was going to do their affiliate marketing, their TikTok, their Facebook, their Instagram, their PPC, mm. their Google, and it was going to be like one 
one whole package and they're going to do everything tick tick and their SEO and everything was like tick 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 and it's like it's going to massively dilute something that is actually working and you know I remember going back to my uni days a long time ago to over 20 years ago now when you know the notion was that I mean we've read this so many times that you don't rely don't rely upon one channel you know, you, you've got to be mm. able to 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 run multiple channels of marketing if case one fails. Um, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Now, that like that might be logical sense, but if you're getting return on ad spend of ten in one channel and two in the other channel, and you're putting your budgets in into these other channels that are not performing, you, you're gonna you're gonna restrict your growth. And the problem, I think, with e-commerce is that it grows so fast, and really, you're growing through market share. That if, if you've got a competitor who's absolutely dominating one particular channel, doing it really well, and that happens to be the channel that, that works for, the, for that type of business, um, you know, they're going to sail ahead of you um, because they've mm. understood that actually the revenue is coming from that from that channel. And m- most of the time, you, know, you, you have a Google a Google business, Google shopping or paid ads business, or uh, a Facebook social business. And, and obviously mm. there are crossovers. And of course you get ones that are doing both, but you kind of get, you normally, you know, for, for one type of business, there's always one dominating channel. We know, right, that this is a Google shopping business, you know, or, well, or even, even, even that business in, you know, there's that business in Dubai, they're doing about 20 million. They want to get to hundred million. They are pretty much going to be dependent on one channel for that. And there's nothing they can do about it. There's nothing really they can do about it. And obviously, they can kind of lean on, you know, the two big uh, channels, two games in, in town, which are, you know, Google and Facebook. But at the same time, the lion's share of that growth is going to come out from that one channel. So, you know, if you're sitting there doing ten grand a month, um, you know, you're you're, you're not even yeah. you're dropping the you're ocean. Nowhere near. And it's it's like you don't no. have to worry about being over, you know, over um, exposed to one channel until you you're way ahead. You're way ahead. Mm. Otherwise, you're just losing time. Because there is there is a feeling in e-commerce that you've got to do you, – you, well, you've got to be on TikTok. You've got to be on Instagram. You've got to be on Google You know, Google Shopping. You've got to be doing mm. SEO. Like, And that isn't true, is it? Well, I mean, obviously, you, could, you know, we're not saying don't try them. We're saying that it's it, it, it. What you can end up with is you can have your main channel, and then maybe you could be testing another channel. Because that's pretty much like if you think about it, the business owner like needs to be involved usually in bringing another channel on, like to some extent, or the core team needs to be involved in it. If you're trying to bring on, you know, doing TikTok and then you're doing Facebook ads and it's all new and then Google shopping and then you're doing affiliates and stuff like you just get diluted very, very quickly. So if you are bringing on new channels, let's bring them on at least one uh, one at a time and then really understand them and be careful um, what you're doing. But at the same time, if your main channel is faltering, um, often it's better to go and fix that main channel rather than trying to do a new one because you may have grown with that main channel and your business is being built around it. And then suddenly it's not, you know, it's, it's not working, but you know, it's a lot more of a bigger jump to a new channel than fixing the existing one. Usually. And I think that's probably one of the, one of the other mistakes that we see 
um, or the belief that that it's the, it's the channel's fault for the, for it failing, yeah. rather than the or the, the agency business. or the agency hopping. There's, you know, the, the first thing that that an e-commerce uh, company will do is it will go down. They'll, they'll blame the agency or they'll blame the in-house team or they'll blame something. Whereas a lot of the time, I mean, sure, there's bad agencies and there's bad internal teams and things like that, and that can be the thing. But a lot of the time, it's because the the thing that got you growing in the first place has probably been forgotten about it. About, and you just go back to the core mm. and you get that right you and, you, and you, you restart. You, know you, hear, you hear that a lot. And the things that agencies do wrong is that they they try to hide the bad stuff because they mm. want you to think, A, they know what they're doing and B, that you know it's going to be successful. But So what, what they should be saying to you is, do you know what, Mr. Client? Your your returns policy sucks. You know your delivery time isn't competitive. You know your your pricing is too high. You, know, you have no offer architecture. You know your, your website's mm. poor. Your navigation's poor. They should be really giving you like a a, a bad time because that's actually what's going to make get a bit of best best advice. But what they yeah. don't, the marketing agencies tend to go. They don't tell you that, possibly because they don't care. I don't know, but but and then what happens is the the, the e-commerce business starts flo- floating around to different um, different agencies, blaming the agency. Whereas actually, it's probably down to the fact that that they're um, they weren't competitive around those terms because the website wasn't wasn't good enough, or the pricing was wrong, or the average order value wasn't right, or the math didn't work, or or they they they're coming up against a massive competitor. It was just miles ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I also think if you are, you know, if you are at that beginning point, putting your best foot forward is always the work, the, the best thing to do. So, if you, if let's say you were starting out on Google Ads for the first time, you know, you'd want to have your best returns policy. You'd want to have your best delivery uh, pricing. You want to have your best offer. You want to have your your leading with your what you think is going to be a bestseller. Because what you don't want to do is go and spend 10 grand on advertising and then it not work. And you think, well, I wonder if what would have happened if I'd had a better delivery policy or if I'd had a better returns policy. Effectively, you want to make sure that everything, all your little kind of rational reasons for it not working are uh, are, are sorted and mm. dialed in so that when it doesn't work, you know it's just, you know it's the creative. Or if it doesn't And you work, know it's the, you've, yeah. You fair, yeah. If it doesn't work, yeah. you know, you fail fast and you're not looking yeah. back thinking, well, you know, spending six months thinking, okay, well, maybe it was because our delivery was too expensive or maybe it was because, you know, we didn't have a decent welcome offer or a returns policy. That, yeah, that's, that, there's that, and I was talking about a big jump from one thing to the other. There's a very big jump from getting no sales at all to getting, no, to getting some sales at below ROAS. So if you if you've got a ROAS target of three and you're only getting two, it's so much easier to get that ROAS up to three than getting something that doesn't sell at all to sell, because it's it's just a different world. Basically, when you're getting some ROAS and you're getting some turnover, effectively that means that there are people in the market who would buy if you got the message right to them, and you've got you're obviously going to have the almost buyers. If you've got no sales at all, then that's really difficult because you it, you've got to get the car started. You've got to push it from a stunning start. And if you get some sales, even if you've gone too far with your offers, maybe you're 
um, you know, you're not happy with your returns policy because it's too open and maybe your delivery costs too expensive for you and all this kind of stuff. If you go to the point where you are putting your best foot forward, you can then reverse gradually back from that until you see what happens. But if you get no sales at all, you can't optimize. It's basically you've got nothing to optimize against because you're like, well, nothing sold. I didn't do anything. I can't, you know, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's too difficult. So the first thing to do is to get some sales coming through the system if you're trying a new channel or, you know, starting up. So that's mm. the first thing to kind of have a go with because at least you know you are in the ballpark. You just need to, you just need to refine what you're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I yeah. think, I think, you know, just thinking about the fund, the basics, I think one, one of the things that, one of the things that, that people don't do is they, is they, they don't, they don't look at the maths enough initially. So you, you know, you're starting out. Maybe you got a splattering of sales, and you want to get it. You want to get it to ten million and beyond. Mm. And I think not understanding the maths and asking the question: Does this actually work? You know, mm. are, are we going with the, with the wind behind us, or are we going to be sailing against the wind? And what I mean by that is, you know, what's the what's the average order value? What's the margin? what's the lifetime customer value so yeah. and do they so, make sense so yeah, yeah. so you're doing you're doing like five million now you want to get to 15 million does the model get us there you know because you can go and look at how much traffic given the current model you would need to buy to get there and you go well i just don't think that that channel has got that amount of traffic at that level so we know that we're going to have to tweak the model in a different way so basically we're either going to have to get the lifetime customer value up which means we don't need as much traffic to hit our targets or we have to get the initial average order value back or we have to increase the conversion rate and it gives you that conversation to start thinking well how is it going to get to 15 million in a realistic way you know it's like sitting down you know with our margin calculator sheet at the beginning and going, oh, hang on a minute. If I've got a 5% margin, I'm going to have to have a ridiculous 300, 300 million ROAS to try and hit. And, it, and it's like, that's not going to happen. And I think that, like we talked a little bit about this on the last podcast, like choosing the game to play and making sure the game you are playing is winnable is a really big part of e-commerce. Because if you put the, make the model into something that's winnable and has the wind at your back, you're just gonna you're just gonna find it so much yeah. easier, and you're playing a game that is lucrative. You don't want to be in a market where you've got a low average order value with a low cost, low lifetime customer value because you're just gonna get it's like getting hit on you know, getting a sale and taking a hit on the stick with it yeah. on your head, isn't it? It's like thank well, you much, Frank, for the order. Hit myself on the head. It's difficult. I remember I remember working with a, a really big company that launched a B two C brand. And they were they were selling um, they were selling things for like parties and things like for ho- for the home. Average mm. order value was thirty pound. Margin was about twenty five percent, and the lifetime customer value looked like it was probably maybe one, you know, once a year. Mm. And the cost for acquisition was was really high as well. Mm. So. It just didn't. It didn't work, and in fact, it was that bad that that for every sale they made, they lost money. Even even if they, even for the second and third sale. So mm. the maths didn't. Maths didn't. That was an, that was quite an extreme case. And I've seen that on the margin margin calculator sheet before, and it's like, well, 
you know, it was so, they were actually losing money on the first sale and then we're losing money on the second sale. And it's like, well, the lifetime value, you could be anything. You, you know, you, it could be like a thousand, a thousand dollars for the lifetime customer value, but you still make losing money. It's like, yeah, it's like someone coming into the shop and you giving them, giving them uh, a dollar every time they come in. It's like, well, no, it's just not going to work. No, well, um, I mean, it was rare. But when we mean like, you know, the math's not quite working is, you know, if the average order value was like 30, 30 pounds, which might be what, $35, you know, and that's pretty low. You know, mm. unless you unless you've got an absolute kick-ass cost, um, you know, way of recruiting new customers, where your cost per acquisition is really low, you know, mm. it, it, you're going to be end up paying Facebook or Google probably ten, ten dollars, ten fifteen dollars, probably per customer you're recruiting, and then if they're not coming, mm. and if you've only got a you know a low margin, by the time you've picked and packed it and paid your warehouse team. You know, it's going to be too expensive. I and mean, if you haven't got a lifetime customer value at the other end, if you're only buying once, it's, it's tough. Mm. You know, so the other the other mistake that people make is they they get very obsessed with their own store and their own brand, and a lot of people put themselves into their business and their business. They feel like their business is them. So if the and 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 what I mean by that is they go, oh, I don't want to do an offer. Because that'll that'll devalue the brand, and at the beginning, it's like you don't have a brand. There's no brand that exists apart from in your mind. And the best way to build a brand in the in the customer's mind is to get them to buy something from you and to consume the product. Yeah. And and so a lot of the time, the 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 e-commerce owner, you know, I've done this myself. Like I don't want to put things on the site because I feel like I don't want to be doing. That, but that's actually what the customer wanted at that time. And I was like, well, that's what the market wants. That's where the market wants to go. That's how I'm going to recruit. It's a vehicle so, that makes so, the maths so work. Th- this, is, this is the biggest thing that Mark and I have been discussing and that we'd still discuss every day over the last 10, 15, 20 years. And when we say don't be precious about your brand because your brand doesn't exist yet, we, it, the reason why that often happens is because we, we often say, look, you're going to grow this business by stealing market share off somebody else who's much more established and much well better known than you. And you know, put yourself in the eyes of the consumer. They don't know who you are. You know, they're going to go and buy, let's say, you know, some home furnishing for the house, you know, some, some you know, cushions or soft furnishings, things like that. They don't know who you are. They know they know who Cox and Cox are and the White Company are. They know all these other businesses and they don't know who you are. And you've got to convince them to buy from you, not these other well-established brands that they've already bought from mm. before. And there's a reluctance to do a a welcome offer. For example, we might say, look, we, we want to have a very we need a strong recruitment offer and a strong uh, retention offer. And this is what we you know, we propose you do you know, mm. 20 percent off you know, this week only. And there's a reluctance to do that because they're precious about the brand when they might only be doing a couple of million pounds and mm. no one knows who they are. And like we, we often, like we just said, you know, nobody, nobody's heard of you. You haven't got a brand until people start consuming your products and buying from you. And your brand gets created by actually having customers and you only get customers by having a strong and profitable recruitment mechanism in place. And you mm. only get a strong profitable recruitment mechanism in place 
by making sure you've got all the ducks lined up in a row. And the last one is giving them a reason to buy now. And that tends mm. to be that offer architecture. So if you don't yeah. have an offer architecture, you're not going to recruit any new customers. So you haven't got a brand because you can't recruit any customers. So Yeah, and, and, and here's a big one. What gets you to 5 million might not be how you look after 5 million. So mm. we've, worked with, we've worked with companies who, you know, all the way up to 5 million, they've had very strong recruitment offers and very you know, big ways to get started and all that kind of stuff. And then once they've got over that level, it's changed and they're, 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 they've got a completely different outlook on it. So if you imagine if you went into a big crowd of people and you're walking into the crowd and everybody's talking to each other and you're an upstart, you're just on your own, you've got to shout to get their attention. Otherwise, no one's going to look at you. And, you, and, and, and so that's where you are. Once you get over like five, 10 million in your market, you've probably got some of those eyeballs. You walk into that room, people know who you are. You don't have to get their attention as much. Yeah. And so you know, if you go and look at some of these big companies, and we do all the time, we go and look at Wayback Back Machine and look at how their website has evolved over the past 10 years, you'll see that their messaging changes as they get bigger. Like one of the one is made.com, for example. Like made.com's messaging was so different at the beginning. It was basically at the beginning, it was kind of like buy from us because we're cheap and we're direct. Like, and we, there's no middleman. That's how they started out. And then they did a lot of the tube advertising in London. Now they're all about, you know, buy from us because we're made.com, you know? And so maybe that's why they've lost a little bit of their, their steam, because what got them to where they are is not what they, you know, is what not necessarily what's going to sustain them um, over time. Yeah. So it, you you have think, to think about your your business made, as it made, evolves. Made.com had to do that initially, A, because nobody knew who they were, but also they, they needed to be a disruptor in the market because mm. why would you buy from made.com if you, you've never heard of them and you can go and buy from all the other all the other online stores and the other bricks and mortar stores that existed at the time. Well, also they had to, you know, they're taking a risk. People didn't buy sofas online when they first came on. It was a risk, you know, who buys a sofa online? Yeah. It, you know, you can't sit on it, you can't touch it. You're so basically saying you'd have to is. be a lot cheaper to exactly. even entertain that, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, so like, so you know, there the were like, okay, we, we we were working with um, a company selling plants online. Now, plants online really grew massively in the last 10 years. And, it, and it, 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 it grew on the back of the ability to send plants online through the post, the, the, you know, the technology. Mm. Couriers started allowing it, yeah. And yeah. what that meant was that was a natural disruptor that pri you know, prior to this, you'd have to go into your garden centers and go and do it. But now you can buy your plants online. So the natural disruption was you can get plants from all over the world, most amazing different you know, variety of plants delivered straight, straight to your door. And mm. so that was the disruptor. But now that everybody's doing that, you know, and you want to go into the market selling plants online, there are some big established players. You've got to, you've got to stop them buying from these big established players. So you've got to go and go, well, we, well we've got to have amazing returns policy. We've got to have an amazing... Um, you know, guarantee. You've got to have, the website's got to be fantastic. We're going to go and focus on this particular niche. You know, this is the price point we're going to have to have. This is the offer architecture. This is our recruitment offer. Like you've got to line them all up. 
because mm. you know, and really make sure that you're understanding how am I going to stop people buying from these other competitors? Yeah. Here's here's another one I see a lot of the time, like people with selling natural um, shampoos and natural soaps, and they go, oh, made from all natural uh, ingredients, and like yes, five years ago. You couldn't get soaps made from natural ingredients. It was very, very difficult to find things that were, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Now everybody's doing it. It's not enough to sell your product. It has to be something else. Like, so, you know, what got you started? Now you might go and look at someone who's done really, really big, who's selling natural skin. Can you go, well, they're selling natural skin. That's all I need to do. It's like, well, no, you don't. You've got to disrupt them. They disrupted somebody else. You've now got to disrupt yeah. them on a different way. You've got to come up with a flanking strategy rather than a going on full frontal. And you've always got to think about how you're going to get attention at the beginning to get to you, to get to you over your five million. Cause that's, that, that's probably your, I mean, what are the phases we see? The phases are probably 50,000 pounds, $50,000 a month. There's probably yeah. the first phase of e-commerce. Then, then getting to, um, 500 is, is, is probably the next phase. And then, um, that's about five million a year, isn't it? Um, and then, yeah, about six. And then um, probably six to ten is the next next is the next one. And then and then fifty fifty million is probably the next one like that. So it kind of like you get these jumps, and you'll have a different level of e-commerce site based on where you are within those and the market you're in as well. You know, if you're in yeah. New Zealand and you, you know, those, those, those levels will look different than if you're in the UK or the US yeah. due, due to the size yeah. of the market. It does. not But, it, it, you know, in summary, you know, that's that, what we were talking about last week around the target sheet about how saying, look, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to get the business to a certain point and then you'll hit a glass ceiling. And that might be, that might be $6 million a year. You know, mm. and you will hit the glass ceiling because the maths have stopped working because you know, at the current rate with the average order value you have, you know, the conversion rate, the traffic and the lifetime customer value, you won't be able to recruit any new customers profitably. And a lot of businesses reach out to us when they're at that point where they say, our return on ad spend has dropped. We just cannot recruit new customers. We're stuck. So unless mm. the metrics change, unless you change average order value or conversion rate, you can't recruit any more customers. And and that's when you start talking about licensing customer value in a bigger way, um, on a product portfolio, and obviously mm. getting more out of less, getting more out of the traffic. But basically, I think the most important thing really is to set to two things. Number one, do your mathematics work? Do the target sheet? Do the maths of the business work? And number two, you don't exist in a vacuum. You're probably going to have to grow by stopping them buying from another online company. So mm. don't be precious about your brand. Don't worry about your brand until you're doing 10 million and beyond. Yeah, and be, and three, build your brand by you know physically getting your product into the customer's hand yeah. and making them have build a good experience because yeah. that's the way you build the, those initial customers to get yourself over the over the five million because that that's effectively the best way you can actually do it. You know, like I, I buy off a supplement brand here because they deliver quickly. 
Like I know that if I go, it's going to be pretty much there tomorrow. So I just go and buy it because I'm like, mm. I, I've consumed it. I'm going to get it. It's, it's there. I don't really care that much about price now. It's just more about, I know they've got a reasonable price. They're going to be within a ballpark, but yeah. it's just going to get you know here what? quickly. The, the, other, the other thing I'll just say really quick is there's an assumption that if you do a discount, um, that you know, you'll always be known for a discount. Well, they will have always bought a discount. They're only going to buy a discount. And, you know, and, and that, that assumption comes from the feeling the the wrong feeling from an e-commerce owner that people are looking at your website all the time and they're mm. coming back all the time and you have to make the website change you have to make the, you have to update the homepage every week you know oh, the, mm. the, the 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 homepage banners are looking tired and and the truth of it is people only come to your e-commerce site maybe maybe once or twice a year if you're lucky so whenever they see mm. it it's fresh so if they see you're doing a you know a spring summer sale or a you know, a, you know, a twenty percent off up to sale. You know, this week only. It's the first time they've seen it, and they're not going to come back next month going, "Oh, still doing the sale." You know, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm not going to buy from this company anymore. You know, they don't. They come back in maybe twelve month time or ten month time, um, and they and they go, "Oh, there's a sale on. Great, I'm going to buy again." Yeah. Or there isn't because like the product, I don't care, and I want it. So. Mm. They you know they don't obsess over it like you do, and because you know why would they? Yeah, you know, it's like it's like you driving right driving down the high street and seeing a shop in a different town you've never been to before, and then six months later driving down the same high street. Like, do you notice that what that shop has got in the window? No, you just it's just you know you might go to you might go to something once a year. Every Easter you go to a coffee shop or you do something like that, and you're like for the rest of the year you're not even aware that that shop yeah, exists. So, pe- people know? are floating around hundreds of thousands mm. like all the time. Um, so it, it you know don't be precious. Let mm. it go. Recruit customers. Anyway, we better finish it there. I've got to go and teach a lot of people about Facebook ads. Excellent. And, um, I will. Uh, I'll catch on. you all. I'm coming on. We'll see. I'll see you there. Awesome, guys. Thank you very much. Bye.